Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi TV. It is so wonderful to meet Kristen McKenna. She's the author of Snowball's Christmas and now her new book, The 12 Days of Snowball. The cutest little white cat, but not so cute, kind of a brat. I dare say a bitch, but that seems really rude. Kristen, you have created such a great character in this cat who has agendas. This cat is a cat with agendas. Attack cat. I'd never met an attack cat in a novel before. Who did you base her on? <laughs> uh, well, first, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And um, so Snowball is kind of a an amalgamation of, of folks, or I guess, I don't know if it would be folks in my life. It starts with my, um, I grew up with a cat, so it's a little bit of her, and her name was Kitty, which I know is so creative. Um, <laughs> just and like, then just we, like Snowball is so creative for an all-white cat. Yes, these exactly, are children's yeah. names that actually are the best names for animals in the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. And um, so her, and then I have two dogs now that are little chihuahua mixes, and who are just all sorts of personality. And then I throw in my daughter, who is now oh. a preteen, but I threw in, like, her personality when she was a, you know, a toddler, her personality now that she's a teen and Snowball's getting a little older. <laughs> so, Oh, so you're yeah, saying that a lot it. of this has to do with the challenges of motherhood. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder she's such a real character, this cat. She's very cat-like. I mean, there's nothing unfeline about her, but she's definitely got a mouth on her. I mean, not not vulgarities, but just attitude. Is that is that? Would, My would... daughter is definitely a lot of attitude, and just like and but and kind of funny attitude. It's the yes. kind of attitude yes. that you just have to laugh at. Yeah, um, and I get that. And... With the, you know, with the animals and the dogs especially, we're constantly putting voices in their heads. Like, what is this dog thinking right now? And so it's, you know, okay, I think this dog is thinking that I'm, you know, nuts or whatever. Right, right. So are you that kind of family that, that speaks the dog's language for them? Oh, and, of course. Yeah. We oh, have my God. Dog. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So when you and your husband and or a daughter probably not with outsiders or around the, 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 the chi-chi mixes and cats, you speak for them in the way that you imagine that individual speaking? Oh, absolutely. We've got to put the words in their mouths and we know exactly what they're thinking in that moment. And yeah. Oh, oh um, that's and so I, great. You know, I find the more people I tell that to, the more anybody who's pet person is like, oh yeah, I'm constantly putting words in my pet's mouth. Right. And I'm and like, yeah. 
And that's why I asked, because I think it's important that we all validate that each other are fine because we're all in the crazy house. It's like we're in the (laughs) nut house, right? So everyone in the nut house can say, I don't know, seems fine to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it. You you dedicate the book to John, who I hope is your husband. It would be so embarrassing if he weren't. And it says, "Oh, actually, it's my editor." <laughs> oh, you're kidding! That is yeah. so funny. So I thought, well, it must be her husband. And I wanted to understand that dedication because it says, "Thank you for giving me a chance with Snowball and loving this kitten as much as I do." So I thought, oh, it's the husband who's maybe supportive while she's writing it, or maybe there's a real <laughs> Snowball cat in her life, and and maybe. <laughs> He was allergic to cats, but gave you a chance. I made up a whole story about your dedication. You're, oh, funny. Yep. It's to your editor. <laughs> you do what I do when I sit in coffee shops. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you have a great way with words. You really are a wordsmith. And this book is light and delightful. And in a moment, you can sort of give the overview about what it's about. And I expected it to be light and fun and Christmassy and Christmas decorations and a cat who wants to keep two humans from falling in love with each other or, or getting in the sack even together. And and the way and yet I found it have great more substance to it because you're a really great describer of things, just without oh, trying to be you know hoity-toity or literary. You just have a great time. A great time, I think, with words. That's what comes across to me. Is that your experience of yourself as a writer? Uh, you know, it is. And what's funny, so one of the things I'm known for is um, I'm good at world building, they call it. Oh. And so you can really picture the world or, you know, smell the smells, taste the tastes, that kind of thing, and really picture where you are. And I, I love doing that in every, I write multiple genres under several pen names. And I, Oh, wait I a minute. You're one of that. those? Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Anything with a happily ever after is my jam. <laughs> no way. So what are the other, what are, you don't have to tell us your other names, but what are the other genres? I thought, well, this is great. She's got two of these and probably another one coming. So what are the other genres? Oh, I write, um, they're all in romance. So each pen name is for kind of a different take on the romance world. So I write, um, kind of paranormal romance under Abigail Owen and then steamier contemporary romance um, under Katie Scott so that readers know exactly what they're getting, basically. Wow. I've always been so fascinated with the the romance world because you guys that write for those readers are the only ones who are guaranteed that those people will always read books. Other writers in the outside world think, oh, are books dead? Is anyone reading books? Is it, you know, the poor people trying to write books? But the romance field is like burgeoning and has been forever. It's never had a slump. It really carries the industry. I want to say it's something like 50% of all book sales are romance books. Is that right? And then people that want to be snobs, you know, and read some book that they have a hard time even understanding what the point of it is, much less the words in it. I mean, not not to put too fine a point on it, but there's that literary world with those awards, which is a very precious kind of other world. And there's the world of people that want to read to escape. They want to read to go to another place and enjoy a story. And as you said, happy endings. Don't you think that that's, I mean, certainly that's this book. Well, world building, is that a phrase that you learned because you took a writing course, or is that a, a is that a phrase that's used in the romance world? I've never heard it, but it's really a good one. 
Um, so it's, I, I believe it's common among all writers, and um, certainly even more so, I would say, under paranormal romance or fantasy romance, oh. writers, because you really are building a whole world. Um, but it's, um, it, and it's something I didn't know what it was when I first started. You know, my very first couple of books out there, I self-published, and, um, you know, people would read them, and I would have other authors come back and be like, you know, I, you, you need to work on the world building. And I'd be like, you know, what is that? And they'd be like, well, it's in a castle, but I can't, you know, it just says they're in a castle, and I can't picture it. And I'd be like, I have no idea. And then I started adding touches, and it became kind of a, a passion to be like, let's show the world, but in a way where it's not like four pages of, let's right. describe this you know, Victorian house and the Christmas trees. <laughs> right. Which is this, which is this book um, that's in a Victorian B and B Weber house and, yep. and there's construction going on. And that's what drives the, the burgeoning romance is the construction manager and the new in manager. But it, it, it is, it, isn't that so interesting? You self published here. You are now extremely successful. You self published and other writers took the time to critique you, I guess, in a constructive way, not rude or mean, but they took oh, the no, time? Oh, yeah, no, trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm, wow. Absolutely. The writing world is a, it's such a supportive group, I have found. Some of my best friends or people I've never met in person have only met online because we connected through being writers. And, and you know, it's kind of a... I think for me at least, and most of the people I've met, it's kind of a, a rising tide lifts all ships theory no where it's kidding. like, let's, you know, this, this person's successful, then that makes other people who want to write that successful. And so it's, yeah, it's a good, that is good really world to lovely. Be I will say that, that, that is completely contrary to the other kind of literary world that I guess I grew up around or in or have been in is is not at all like that, but it's sort of one of the reasons, not sort of, it is the reason that I'm so welcoming of and grateful to all the writers who write about dogs and cats so that I can have them on my shows and help promote both their books to people who would love to read them, but they just don't maybe know they exist otherwise. Mm -hmm. And also to give encouragement to other people hoping to write or trying to write or feeling discouraged about writing, to hear the personal stories of authors, how they work, how they started, what the process is, how they keep it up, you know, keep the moxie going. I think it's really wonderful that you have that world. I'm going to guess it has to be the romance novel world. It is not the straight I don't mean straight versus gay, the 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 whatever the other the literary, more, yeah, the, whatever the other literary, yeah, the non-romance, <laughs> the, the other fifty percent. I think there's a lot of jealousy and envy and uh, discouragement. Oh, we still get that, and um, you know, it's human. I think, and um, and because there's a limited number of books being published in any given publisher and that kind of thing, there's always I feel like maybe a sense of competition um, but if I find for the most part that the the people that I gravitate towards are the ones that are like let's help each other like this is a that is it can so be a cool. really rough and very lonely industry so let's you know form a community of people. That is so cool so you have paranormal and then you have steamy romance and then you have mm-hmm. these charming adorable I mean the world you build here is like oh that's so cute I remember this world growing up is this how the world still is? Of course, there's there's some nasty people and nasty things that happen, but not that nasty. But yes. there's a kind of a sweetness to it, and a and a simplicity, and a the idea of of people kind of yearning for each other and having 
bad memories of other relationships, so not so quick to trust the next guy that wants to give you a kiss, but not in a romancy kind of way. In this book, it's more, well, is the cat going to let it happen, for one thing, because she doesn't <laughs> like this guy. Um, but also, just kind of, it's very interesting you say happy, happy, happy endings. I guess we need more happy endings, don't we? I absolutely think we need more happy endings. It's it's why I read and write romances, because I want the guarantee that at the end of it, there's a happiness to it. And I think it's something that we don't find as much as we should, maybe. Like, the world, to me, is already full of not happy endings. Let's, For sure. If we're going to escape, if I'm going to take this time to escape into a completely different world, I want it to be a happy world. And I've always been that way. Um, I do. My mom was an English teacher, so, of course, I grew up reading, you know, all the classics. And, right. And... Um, for the most part, the ones that I liked were the ones where they may not have a happy ending necessarily, but the characters, at least there was one likable character. And the ones that I tended to not like were the ones where I'm like, I can't like any of these characters. They're yes, all terrible yes. people. And, and so, and, good, and, think, and, and even if good things happen to them, you don't even feel happy for them I in don't the want end. To, yeah. yeah. And so there's that too. And then with these books, these are my um, kind of my brain break in my own personal escape to write them, especially um, both one and two, for the most part, I was working on in the middle of COVID. And so it was my like, the world is exploding. Let's go like enjoy sweet and Christmas and kittens. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And you know what? It's exactly that. Let's jump in and let you read a little section so we get Sophie's, um, not Sophie's voice. Sophie is the owner, but the kitten's voice because Snowball has a lot to say. And it's charming how it's interspersed. Set the scene. I forgot to grab the book. Okay, <laughs> we'll it's talk. page, tw- it, it, what What did we do? 22. Uh, 22, yes. Yeah. So I'll, I can set the scene easily enough. It's it's really, it speaks for itself. It's really, I just want Sophie's voice to be heard and, and, and appreciated so that when people get it, they get it so they can hear a cat thinking and talking as you hope a, a feisty little cat would think and talk. Yep. Um, and I love, so I put the, her point of view, um, usually at the end, but sometimes in the middle or beginning of chapters where you get what's happening with the kitten among all of the, what's happening with the romance. We don't so. have to explain who all the characters are that she mentions because Daniel's the guy and Sophie's the gal, but it's really yes. the cat that we want to hear from. Yep. Um, so here we go. Um, what were Emily and Lucas and even Miss Tilly thinking, putting that man in charge with sweet Sophie? She gave me a lovely snuggle all the way back to the house and told Mrs. Bailey that she's a cat person, much better than Daniel. I glared at his stupid bearded face. The only reason I haven't run him out of this room is because Emily is so upset. Kitties know when their humans are upset. We can sense these things. It's why we cuddle up when humans cry, when they're lonely, or when they need to feel better. Sometimes. We only do that for the special humans, and all three of these people are my special humans. But Daniel... It's a very good thing I was around to show Emily how big of a mistake she'd be making choosing Daniel over Lucas. In the end, it worked out, but I'll never forgive Daniel for almost messing that up. Still, if he can be helpful in this time of trouble, which I have my doubts about, then so can I. So I let him stay in the room while they discuss the boring parts of how Emily, Lucas, and Miss Tilly will be leaving Sophie and Daniel in charge of the inn. At least Sophie will be around. She has a few silly notions about my not being let outside, but she is a terrific cat snuggler. Plus, I overheard Emily saying to Lucas that she came highly recommended, whatever that means. It sounds good. Oh, Emily cries, what about Snowball? What? 
I blink a few times. Surely I didn't hear that right. Only I did. I give a little a sound. They forgot about me. They never forget about me. I am the most important part of this family. I tie us all together with love. Emily smooths a soothing hand over my fur, and I lean into her touch, but then bat at her hand so she knows that I don't consider a quick pat enough of an apology. Don't look at me, Daniel says, holding up his hands. Like I'm a disease or something he doesn't want to touch. I give him a solid, unbleaking stare, long enough that he goes stiff, then lift my leg and give myself a bath. I can watch Snowball, Sophie offers. Oh, that's much better. I lightly drop to the floor to go wind around her feet and rub against her ankles, and Emily beams, which makes my sacrifice of letting them go off without me worth it. Good luck, Daniel mutters. I give a little growl, and he snaps his mouth shut. He doesn't leave, though. I will give him this much. He's loyal to his friends. It's great. She's a real character. And, yeah, it does sort of sound like a chihuahua mixed with your daughter mixed with an actual cat. Now I understand how you built that world. Well, Kristen, you really are a great world builder, and this is a wonderful world, the 12 Days of Snowball, to fall into. It's really Christmassy, and you live in Texas where I guess you don't get too much snow. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you really do get snow in Texas. It's hard to say. But for those who don't have the pleasure of being in a snowy place or even a place where the whole town or inn gets decorated— it really is a great dip into what Christmas is supposed to feel like. And I think that's a great achievement on your part. So thank you for writing this. Keep on writing about Snowball while doing romances, I guess we could say, on the side, which is rather funny because I'm sure you have all those balls up in the air at once. A job well done, and I look forward to reading the next one. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed writing them, and I've enjoyed being on your show. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dried food even as part of your kitty's diet.